Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Welcome this morning. God bless you. We want to thank you so much for joining us at home or at work or, you know, wherever you may be, you know, by phone or by iPad or computer, um, you know, join together around your TV perhaps. Thank you for joining with us here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock. As the psalmist said, I would have fainted had not I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We, we believe that God will not only have his way, but we believe that God has an answer for all of our situations. Today, uh, you know, you can get prepared by turning to Isaiah 55. We'll be there in just a moment. And this morning, our sermon is entitled, Good Authority. Good authority. Oh, I like good authority, don't you? I'm not talking about, you know, people who have authority. I am talking about that I have it on good authority, that I, that I, that I, that I know the truth. This morning, like most, like many, like I, actually, I guess in, uh, in reality, generalization, every Sunday morning, I text with pastors around the nation and the world. And so this morning, as, 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 as we were, uh, you know, uh, sharing and texting and different things, uh, I got the last text in. And it was early this morning, and I didn't hear back <laughs> because my text was simply this. You know, I'm going to speak the truth in love this morning. I had a comeback, but I know that scares people. Speak the truth in love? Yeah, that's what we're called to do. My comeback was, well, what are you going to do? But nobody came back. <laughs> so, <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> but every Sunday, that's what, that's what we do. We speak the truth in love. Let me tell you what you get when you come to Golden Triangle Church on the Rock and what you can expect. You can expect a word from Almighty God. You can expect that we're going to talk about the word and talk about Jesus, and we're going to make a reasonable application of the word of God to our lives. And so, uh, as I said, we're a phone-friendly church. If you dare, you may want to you know, let somebody know that Pastor Ron is speaking the truth in love this morning and just see what they do with it, okay? They might just absolutely... Uh, uh, you know, uh, enjoy listening. <laughs> but this morning we're going to spend our time together having a little serious-minded fun. Okay? I mean, we, we've, we've gone through a lot uh, with this COVID and uh, with, with all of the racial tension that, that we're seeing across America and around the world and, you know, things like the statues of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Winston Churchill being uh, brought down as well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a very interesting time, to say the least. And this morning, uh, if, if you'll allow me uh, to use some evident truth to pick on us. Who are us? We the born-again believers in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, if you happen to not be a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, and you're watching, or you're watching this at some later date, you know, because you heard about this wonderful, awesome message, and you really want to, you know, uh, take down notes to see if you can, trip, you know, find something to, you know, uh, you know, uh, tell me I was wrong about, uh, but, uh, or, or to encourage me about either one. Uh, uh, if you happen to not be a born-again believer this morning, you know, I don't know why, but why don't you just sit back and enjoy uh, us just picking at ourselves a little bit this morning, making a little bit of uh, a little uh, um, tongue-in-cheek humor uh, that has a point to it. 
You know, sometimes you, you kind of chuckle and laugh about something until you realize I'm talking about you. <laughs> oh, come on now. Put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. You're among friendly people. I love you and you know it. Okay? I stand here with complete moral confidence. You know, I am, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I, I, the blood of no man is on my hands. I'm right with God. And, you know, the word I'm going to share is, is true. And it might just brush up against your toes. But like the man said, you know, you're stepping on my toes. He said, well, well what were your toes doing right there? You know? <laughs> All right, come on now. Um, and allow me to start the process this morning by making a statement of fact. This is a fact. God is not thinking like you are thinking unless you're thinking like he's thinking. <laughs> oh, let me say that again. While that soaks in and you find Isaiah 55, let me say that one more time. God is not thinking like you are thinking unless you are thinking like he is thinking. <laughs> That's the only hope that you have that you're going to be right is to be thinking like God's thinking. Okay? Don't think God thinks like, you know, sometimes I'm poking a little fun at Christians because sometimes Christians can't imagine whether they're of a denomination or a, one denomination or another or, you know, a one doctrine or another. They might think or one age or stage or another, you know. Sometimes older folks don't necessarily like loud music and younger folks do and we're both Christians. But, and you're thinking, my goodness, what in the world is that? How, you, know, uh, you know, what's that smoke going on there? What are those lights flashing? You know, uh, you know, you know this, uh, we, we tend as Christians to think like God thinks like us. He doesn't. God thinks like God. <laughs> uh, and so Isaiah 55, verse 6, is where we're going to begin this morning. Simply says this, the prophet says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now hold your place right there. We read 6 and 7. We're going to continue reading there here in just a moment. But hold your place right there in Isaiah 55 for just a moment, and, and, and let, me, let me say a few things. I have it on good authority that Jesus is not a Democrat. I told you I'm going to speak the truth in love. <laughs> I have it on good authority that Jesus is not a Republican. <laughs> oh, come on now. I thought I'd get an amen somewhere there, but see, you're, you're a little bit concerned what the person is sitting beside you, aren't you? It doesn't matter. I have it on good authority that Jesus is not an independent. And by the way, he's not a liberal, he's not a conservative, he's not a moderate, he's not a socialist, a fascist, and Jesus is not an anarchist. I have that on good authority. I have it on good authority that Jesus is not even an American. Woo! I'm expecting a few people to get up and walk out about now. Don't turn me off. Does that shock you? Jesus is not black, by the way. 
I have it on good authority. I have it on good authority that Jesus is not white. That he's not Asian. He's not a Hispanic. He's not Catholic, by the way. Jesus is not a Catholic. <laughs> Whoa! I have it on good authority he's not a Protestant. Oh, some of you are racing. I can tell that, that Dean's mind is racing right now. He is just, okay, what is he? What is he? You know, he's, he's that analytical. Okay, well, what is he? What is he? What is he? Well, hey, let me tell you, you know, Jesus is the Christ. Amen. The anointed one and only Christ. He is the Son of the living God, the one true Messiah, the only Savior of the world. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is in a category all by himself. And if you don't know this, you don't know what he is. You don't know who he is. You don't recognize him. You don't know the truth. Wow. And by the way, I have it on good authority that Jesus is not a fan of CNN. I have it on good authority that Jesus is not a fan of Fox News. Oh, I didn't get near as many hallelujahs on that one. Oh, come on, let's poke a little fun at ourselves. You know, some people sit around imagining that you know, you know, Jesus is thinking like I'm thinking. In fact, it may get a little more serious here. I may not get many smiles out of this one. But I have it on good authority that Jesus is not primarily focused or predominantly fighting for your constitutional rights or your civil rights or your sense of justice or your educated opinion or your favorite ball team or your personal or special interest groups heartfelt concerns that's not his main priority. It's not his greatest goal. He may not be fighting for something you think he's fighting for. However, he has demonstrated his willingness to fight and even to die for one thing. And one thing only. Jesus has demonstrated his willingness to fight and to die for your immortal soul. Jesus is fully committed to saving you from this world. It's lust, it's pride, it's problems, and it's promises. 
This world is empty. Filling this world up with good things will not save one's soul. Although we should, we must realize that Jesus has a primary goal, and that is the salvation of souls of mankind. I have it on good authority that Jesus is against disorder and chaos, abuse and injustice, brutality, rioting, looting, murder, but who isn't? Let me tell you who isn't. The devil isn't. The devil is the only one that is not against chaos and disorder and abuse and brutality and injustice and rioting and looting and murder. The devil is not against that. Did you hold your place in the book of Isaiah? Are you having fun yet? Isaiah 55, let's pick up with the next verse. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Now remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to his children, to the ones he has chosen to be his own. He's talking to those who know him, to those who have a, 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 an almost exhaustive set of laws to understand what he wants. To those who have been picked on and persecuted and abused. He's talking to his children, his family, and he says, Yet your thoughts are not my thoughts, and, and your ways are not my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Listen, God is not intimidated. He is not embarrassed. And he is not shy when it comes to discussing the issues at hand and the problems we face in America and around the world. It's only we who find ourselves intimidated, shy, embarrassed, unable. God has a fail-safe system to decide and to define what is right and what is wrong. Do you know what God's fail-safe system is? Do you know how God decides what's right and what's wrong? It's very simple. He is right, and everyone else that does not agree with him is wrong. That's not a popular opinion, by the way. But that is as plain as it gets. And I speak the truth in love. As I said, I stand here confident with no malice toward any man, any people group, any profession in my heart whatsoever. I stand here morally confident. I stand here with a wide experience. I stand here to tell you 
as someone who is called and commissioned by God to speak the truth in love, that there is only one standard of right and wrong to which we should all agree. God is right, and we know what God is against. And when we are against what God is against, we stand with God, and everyone else stands with God. When we are for something that God is against, we stand against God. God is unanimous in his opinion. This is why earlier I said God is not thinking like you're thinking unless you're thinking like he's thinking. God does not quibble when it comes to dividing sin from sinners, right from wrong. He calls godliness right and he calls wrong ungodliness. God does not have any trouble judging the difference between right and wrong, godliness and ungodliness in every person's life. It is wrong. Here is uh, a statement that is the truth in love. It is wrong in the eyes of God to judge others by the color of their skin, by the badge on their uniform, by their political affiliation, or by the sins of their fathers. America is in trouble today. But this is not the first time friends have been locked in bitter disputes one toward another. This is not the first time brother has taken up arms in battle against his brother. This is not the first time families in America have been torn apart over ideologies, cities ravaged, and the nation divided. Jesus said, he told us plainly that a house divided cannot stand when it's divided against itself. This morning we need to pray for America. The land of the free, the home of the brave, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We need to pray for America like President Abraham Lincoln prayed when he faced the task of leading a divided nation subject to this world's temptations and the woes of evil forces and a history that could not be defended. Tensions inflamed our nation in 1860 when the election of Abraham Lincoln was labeled as an act of war. Governors, congressmen, wrote and made speeches that the mere election of Abraham Lincoln was a declaration and an act of war. The country was told by a group of politicians that armies would soon seize their slaves and force white women to marry black men. This was the propaganda 
On November the 9th, 1860, South Carolina Congressman John Winsmith drafted a resolution to call the election of Abraham Lincoln as U.S. President a hostile act. Faced with such organized opposition, Lincoln said, and I quote, I am rather inclined to silence. And whether that be wise or not, it is at least more unusual nowadays, nowadays to find a man who can hold his tongue than one who cannot. Abraham Lincoln was president of the United States and the divided states of America in one of the most difficult periods of our 244-year history. During his 49 months in office, President Lincoln issued no less than nine national proclamations calling a nation to prayer and calling a nation to refocus, to reassess their lives, to reassess our goals as a nation, and to reassess what they were thinking, what they were feeling, and to call upon mighty, almighty God that he might be our help. Because, as Abraham Lincoln said, there was no other one who could help. God was our nation's only hope. By the way, I have long been a student of history, and it is interesting to me, and uh, as I said, speaking the truth in love, it's important that we at least realize that the devil has no new tricks. On April the 12th, 1861, the Civil War began. It lasted till April the 9th of 1865. The Civil War was a war of ideologies between Democrats and Republicans. Ooh, it got quiet. Much like many imagine we are experiencing today, the struggle was over who was going to be president and leader of our nation. And whose views on the issue of slavery would therefore be championed? The struggle was over, as I said, who was going to lead our nation. One political party was willing to tear the country apart and even go to war, family against family, brother against brother, and even take up arms and kill their own people if they did not get their way. What was their way? In that time, remove the president. It might surprise many around the world to know which political party was pro-life, pro-equality, and which one was pro-slavery and willing to divide and destroy our nation rather than to accept the vote of the people. But Satan has no new tricks. During the war, Abraham Lincoln, he overheard someone remark that they hoped that the Lord was on the Union side. Lincoln responded with this sharp rebuke. I am not at all concerned about that, 
For I know that the Lord is always on the side of the right. But it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and this nation should be on the Lord's side. Where is God in all of this? The same place he was in 1863. The same place he was in 1963. The same place he will be in 2063 and beyond. Every day, in many ways, God is offering us the only answer that will fix the problems of this world instead of just prolonging them or making them worse. The trouble we are facing in America is not a race problem. It is a responsibility problem. And it bleeds out into problems in every other area of life. Every problem we face is the responsibility of an individual to fix. Responsibilities. God will hold you responsible for what you do, what you say, and what you think. How you feel, God will hold you responsible for that not someone else. You can ill afford to point a finger at anyone. You can ill afford to ride upon some high horse, claim some moral ground, unless you are thinking like God is thinking that the souls of men and women, every one of them, our primary responsibility, their safety, their security, one of our great goals, we are a nation that has been allowed to exist by God and been given a mandate from heaven. But it takes, like a church, it takes people. The church, as people might imagine, does not exist. It's only people who choose to join together under the umbrella of a greater cause, Jesus Christ. Our nation, I submit to you, in much the same way, does not exist outside of the fact that we have chosen to join ourselves together for a greater cause than our personal ambitions, our pride, our anger. God will hold each one of us responsible for what we think, what we say, and what we do, especially in these troubled times. He has given us instructions. Let me fast forward to the instructions. These instructions 
are from God. This is what God wants you to do, not someone else. This message this morning is not for anyone else. It is for you. Listen to the word. Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. This is your challenge. This is how God is thinking. In lowliness, in humility, lowliness of mind, not allow any selfishness, no selfish ambition, no conceit, no pride, but rather esteem others better than himself. When we humble ourselves like President Abraham Lincoln did and seek God's face, he will show us his way. He will make a way. He always does. We sang about that here this morning. When we begin to esteem others better than ourselves and take responsibility for our own prejudice, take responsibility for our own pride and for our own problems, then perhaps we have a chance to see and to be the change America needs. You may be the only chance your children, your friends, your family have to see the light that will challenge the hearts and the minds of men. You may be the only Bible some people read. And because you are claiming to be a born-again believer, they might think that God thinks like you think. Peace has to begin in hearts before it can happen in homes. It has to happen in your heart or there is no peace in your home. Even though all of you are joined together in one small group with the doors shut, Many of you know what it's like to live in a, in a family in close, confined environment and have no peace and have no joy and have no hope for a better day. Multiply that to the borders of our nation. What would fix your home? You must allow God in your heart what would fix our nation? The same thing. You see, you've heard this before in many ways, but the salvation of our nation will not depend on what happens in the White House, but rather on what happens in your house. Let me ask you, what is happening in your house? What are your children hearing? Are you perpetuating another generation of division, anger, hurt, judgmentalism, racism, criticism, Wrath, sedition, division. Or are you sowing seeds of righteousness to tell your children, your family, your close friends that Almighty God has a plan and that He, 
He and He alone is the answer to this. And we must therefore let our light shine among men that others might see our light and glorify God in heaven. Do you stand against chaos, disorder, and injustice? Or are you brought along in some wave of, of, of ideology that is divisive and that offers empty solutions and can never deliver this generation or the next generation to a better situation than what you face? Who benefits from families, friends, communities, races, nations being divided? Who benefits from that? The devil does. Let me tell you, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. That is a lie of the devil. God's Word says that we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. This is a battle between God and the devil for the souls and the minds and the hearts of mankind. We cannot make it less. We cannot afford to change our aim, to change our focus, to, 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 to apply our strength to some other remedy. Many times the loudest voice, by the way, let me preface this by saying this is from a sermon on March the 19th, 2017 that I preached from this pulpit. Two sermons I preached that morning. The first sermon, the early morning sermon, was called Loud Lies. The second service, I changed it and, talked and, and, and entitled it The Quiet Truth. I did that the week before. It was the same message. <laughs> March the 19th, look it up on the internet, easysermons.com. Go there and get these notes, easysermons.com. Okay? You'll find March the 19th, Sunday morning, you know, uh, 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 quiet lies, uh, or loud lies and, you know, quiet truth. In those sermons, we learned that many times the loudest voice is the voice of the devil and destruction. We don't allow the loudest voice to be our guide because most often the loudest voice, you know, but rather it was that still small voice where Isaiah found God. Not in the thunderings, not in the lightning. You see, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He tries to get in your ear, in your face, and scream at you all the time. And he will scream at you one thing, and he'll scream at somebody else exactly the opposite. And he's screaming and screaming, and all he's doing is trying to divide. He has no new tactics. I said in those sermons, however, loud lies cannot drown out the quiet and everlasting truth. I trust you don't allow these things to drown out the truth. What is truth? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me encourage you this morning to come to Christ and submit to the truth instead of giving your life to a political paradigm. I hope you support Jesus Christ and God's Word and the church and unity and your family with more energy than you support a political paradigm. More than you support a polished presentation 
because the root of all evil is the love of money. And at the bottom of this is money. Don't give your life to put money in ungodly men's pockets. Oh, come on. Clap on that one. The ungodly evil men that promote such things as division in families. Don't give your life to some whitewashed cover-up. We don't need to be blind about the things that are wrong in our nation, in our cities. Hate-filled, angry agendas. Don't give your life for those things. Don't give your life. You know, submit to Christ and the truth. Don't give your life to racial profiles. Whether the racial profile is against another race or you buy it for yourself. You are not limited by your race and no one else is either don't believe that lie of the devil stop lumping people into pools of racial profiling stop lumping yourself into a pool that you don't belong in frustrated fantasies let me tell you, the Confederate States of America was a frustrated fantasy. They did not have a chance to make it. They even elected a president. Who would want to be president of a bunch of rebels? The sheer fact of their existence showed that they did not want to submit to anybody else's leadership. Who would want to be voted in the leader of a bunch of people that said we don't want a leader? The Confederate States of America, a fantasy. Chaz, a fantasy. A fantasy. Frustrated fantasy. Don't give your life to empty solutions, to personal opinions. Stop wasting precious time and resources on things that are not going to fix it. God has a plan. And believe me, He is not thinking like you're thinking unless you're thinking like He's thinking. This is the time to embrace your personal moral confidence. If you are a racist, if you are prejudiced, if you are filled with pride, then stop it! Get some help, for goodness sake! That's so ungodly! But if you are not, then there's no reason for you to embrace a lie. I have it on good authority that lies will not change what needs to be changed. Embrace a confidence and speak the truth in love. Now, if you claim to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, act like it. Oh, come on. This is still fun. I'm, I'm, I'm closing here, okay? 
I have it, by the way, okay? You know, I mean, I'm just, just, you know, act like it. What I mean by that, get busy helping Jesus save some souls. Okay? Come on. Come on. Get busy. And listen, we should not, well, let me put it this way. We should be defending the police, not defunding the police. They need more education, more training. They need more people. And to weed out, we should be, you know, uh, paying for more internal affairs to weed out these horrible, ungodly, unjust people out of our police departments. This is wrong. But we need to defend the, those who are securing us and helping us not defund them. That is, that, that's a delusion. We should not be you know, feeling like saying that is in any way connected with defending the brutality that we have seen. But it is not incumbent upon every law enforcement officer that I know. To drive the point home, I was stopped twice this week for speeding. <laughs> and Brenda once for not wearing a seatbelt. And I prayed for every one of them by saying, thank you for what you're doing. I know it's not easy. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? By the way, this was after the ticket. <laughs> I said, do you mind if I pray for you? They looked at me. And there was a mix of races, by the way. I think God was driving home a very good point for me. And they looked at me and said, I would appreciate that. Bowed their head and closed their eyes. You don't be closing your eyes on somebody you're giving a ticket to. <laughs> I did that job for a few years. That ain't smart. But our law enforcement are hurting the good men and women from every race. And, you know, and those that aren't good are not representative. And I prayed in the name of Jesus. Let me encourage you, if you were born again believer, as I said, let's act like it. Let's get busy helping Jesus save some folks from an eternity in hell. Okay? And when you get to heaven, you and others you influence will feel much better about your life's accomplishments. What are you accomplishing that's going to last? And the last thing I'll say about this right now is I have it on good authority that if you will help Jesus, you will receive a crown of life. For enduring temptations and for not being afraid of the devil. You find that in the book of James, first chapter, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Okay? Let's go for the crown of life. Let's save some souls.
I hope, you know, that you, before going out, will consider, are you born again? Have you made Jesus your Lord and Savior? You know, are you wrestling or struggling with things that you need to change in your life? You know, uh, um, then please leave whatever you need to leave right here. And I want to encourage you to go out into a world that's hurting. We need to help the change that needs to take place. It is evident with the problems that change is needed. Let's do our best to find ourselves on our knees as President Abraham Lincoln called the nation to prayer and fasting and to reassess and refocus their heart on His way and not on our way and be a part of the change, okay? Support the truth without being afraid that it's going to go too far, okay? Stop that, okay? Stand with your moral confidence intact and realize not everyone, not everyone, um, not everyone has the freedom to discuss things that have been very challenging uh, to their security, to their faith, to their family. Uh, be that compassionate, listening ear. And if you will seek to understand before you seek to be understood, you'll find yourself on the same page with most everybody you meet. Okay? Listen first. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And be extra slow this week to get angry. It's only the devil that will leave you angry. God won't leave you angry. Now, Father, we pray, Lord, for our nation, for ourselves, Lord. We offer our lives to you, Lord. God, help us to be, Lord, a part of the change that needs to take place. Lord, according to how you think, Lord, to not deny the injustice, Lord, but neither to fall prey, Lord, to the divisiveness of the devil. Lord, help us, God, to stand strong, Lord, to be a simple, kind voice of truth spoken in love. In Jesus' name.